This episode is brought to you by Podomatic, the easiest way for podcast fans to become podcasters. Go to podomatic.com or search Podomatic in your app store to start your own podcast for free and find your audience. Hello and welcome to episode number 368 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Oh, we're back with a doozy this week. A big, big, not film, but TV show to talk about. Um, One of our favourite creators. Yeah, I mean, we've obviously talked at length, possibly spoken more about mike flanagan content than perhaps any other creator um since the inception of this podcast really um of of course across tv and film um and the guy has has had so many bangers you know such a wide contribution to this genre um and this is his swan song on netflix um Obviously, his final series. Um, he's kind of signed a first look deal now with Amazon going forward, but I think his next project is the film that he's doing, um, which is extremely exciting because it's been a very, you know, it's been four years at this point since Doctor Sleep. So uh, long overdue. He's had some of his best work since then as well. So um, can't wait to see what he's learned and taking that to the film world. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we'll be talking about uh, his new show. Um, as far as news this week, there there is none once again, um, which is great because uh, we have an entire show to talk about. Um, well, I'm sure we'll talk about yeah. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit of Chucky, um, as there was a yeah. yeah pretty interesting episode, episode three this week. Um, and I'm sure we we all both want to touch upon this uh, Arrow release that we just got our hands on as well because it is worth mentioning. Um, but yeah, shall we shall we talk about this week's show? Let's do it. Let's talk about the fall of the House of Usher. So yeah, we've uh, obviously mentioned this many, many times throughout the uh, the news cycles when it was first announced. Mm. Um, yeah, Mike Flanagan's new show. Obviously, he's done plenty of different shows on Netflix. You know, different in terms of um, his own involvement. You know, going from yeah. Haunting of Hill House and Midnight Mass being these two that he did pretty much everything in terms of. You know, he definitely directed every episode of those. You had something like Blind Manor that he was a little bit hands-on. I believe he directed like two episodes of that and not too much. Um, And then similar with Midnight Club as well. I think he directed around half of that. Um, Mm. This is an interesting one because it kind of falls in in the middle where it's created by him. He is, you know, singularly credited as the series creator. Um, He has a writing credit on every episode um, and a a directing credit on half of them. Um, The other half is uh, Mike... uh, Fimango, uh, I'm going to butcher his surname now, Fimognari, um, who is basically his long-term um, cinematographer. Um, so, yeah, he's worked with him since um, Gerald's Game and, and all those shows, Hill House, Midnight Mass, Doctor Sleep. He was the, the cinematographer. Um, but he's obviously in the directing chair now, which is super interesting. Like, I always love, um, find that so fascinating, the role of a c- cinematographer. Yeah. Because you're so close to being a director. 
you know and it's obviously it's it is a different art form in itself but we talk about um you know the the guy who works with robert eggers and kind of their amazing relationship and clearly this is such a an epic relationship like it's worked so well in those previous um shows and films um so it's nice to see him kind of step out i'm, I'm trying to look now actually if he's if he did did he do the cinematography as well i'll have to look that up in a moment um if he did oh he did that's crazy <laughs> wow. so yeah he's doing a lot here um as well so yeah this is clearly like their show the, the two of them together um and yeah obviously this is based upon um a kind of short story of the same name by edgar Allan poe as well as other works um drawing in and i think we both i, I can kind of speak for us both here and say we're not familiar with this stuff at all no. um you know like my very brief um kind of in passing with poe is is the raven and that's it like that you know i vaguely know about the raven story um and Nevermore, and that was it um so i'm sure there's plenty of easter eggs littered throughout this whole season about his works that will that will you know get other people going but for us this is basically a brand new thing isn't it like yeah. we don't come to this with any sort of preconceptions about what this story is or isn't um so yeah, I, I treat this as a brand new, fresh idea, and, and again, so I can't even comment on how much this is. You know, like I'm sure it was about a family called Usher, but I'm sure that original story wasn't about the opioid crisis in America, and it certainly <laughs> wasn't about modern day America either, which this obviously is. Um, yeah, no, it's such a wild thing that like there's this much inspiration from like third party, but it does just feel like this original piece. Yeah. It's, it's a fascinating adaptation in that sense because yeah i'm mm. sure he is pulling from different things and we even when you look at the um trying to analyze like the cast of characters here to try and remember everyone's name and like yeah. they all come from different stories you know it's like this name comes from this story and this and, and so it's clearly you know it's like leo's it's just, name. yeah it feels like a love letter to things that he loves more than you know this adaptation of one or two things it just feels like you know he he wanted to give a big nod to Poe, give a big nod to the book, and <clears throat> yeah, just kind of like mixed a lot of different things in there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, there's a lot going on with this. Um, mm. I guess first of all, what you know, what is this about? But then also, are we gonna do like a brief? I guess spoiler free. Is that worth it, or are we, are we just gonna dive straight in like we normally do with TV shows and just spoil the hell out of it? I think probably just dive in. Mm. You know, we, you know. Every time we talk about TV, and especially when we do an episode on it, we just say it's a no-holds-barred, like, yeah, you know, watch House of Usher beforehand. I think, you know, the fact that it's on Netflix as well, it's, you know, just so readily available, and then we're just going to have a fun chat about it. Mm. Um, I, I don't think, I don't think like, we're going to go mad spoiler. Um, no. But it is just going to be the, yeah, we're not going to be precious about characters that die or whatever, you know, we're just going to chuck it all in there yeah i think through the course of the conversation we are going to spoil the hell out of it because yeah. yeah we're going to be referencing characters that die and how it ends yeah. and stuff so yeah it's it's on the table let's just say that like say yeah. normal tv rules apply so uh, make sure that's what i will say is a very mild spoiler for my opinion is uh make sure you've seen this before you hear this mm. conversation definitely um but yeah the uh the fall of house of usher is basically um centers around the usher family who have um gone from uh rags to obscene riches and we kind of join them in the modern day when they are kind of at the height of their kind of power and riches and um they are trying to be dragged down by a um a solicitor who's um i guess is he he's kind of um 
yeah, this long-term rival, if you like, of, of the Usher family. And he's um, been trying to kind of take, take them down for years. And in the midst of this court case, um, we, we kind of, the Usher family is headed by uh, Roderick Usher um, and his uh, sister, Madeline. And then Roderick's, uh, was it six children? Yeah. Yeah, six children. Um, uh, who are different levels of kind of Usher, I guess. Well, not not different levels of Usher, but basically two of the children's are direct siblings uh, from his kind of um, marriage. And then kind of he has four children that, that were birthed kind of out of wedlock. Is it four or what is one of them? It's, it's hard. Three of them are out, completely out of wedlock, aren't they? Yeah, so we've got Freddie and is it Ta- what's her name? The, the uh, Samantha's character, uh, Tamblyn. Tamblyn. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you got those two that are kind of yeah the the siblings, the of, siblings. His, of his first yeah. wife Annabelle. Yeah. Um, then you've obviously got Cam- uh, Camille. Um, yeah, you got Camille, Leo, Perry, and Vic. Which I guess yeah, yeah they're, they're all of different. I didn't know whether Vic was was like maybe a. a another wife that he might have had or something because it kind of seemed like at one point it was like a three, three split. Yeah. But they did reference at one point, um, with their mum, like, Oh, she was the only one you cared enough to marry up until yeah. it's obviously his current wife. Yeah. Yeah. True. But yeah. So that, you know, him and his six children and basically, um, they, well, we, we see in episode one, the, the, um, the, 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 the show jumps around timeline a lot between kind of i'd say like the modern day kind of court case and the week that goes on of chaos Mm. and then we get the preceding you know uh, 30 plus years of of backstory for for various characters and kind of um we find out at the end of this week all of roderick's children are dead and kind of one of the the main kind of scenes is is Roderick and Augie, the uh, the the solicitor, um, who are kind of sat in this derelict house um, uh, post the the children's passing, and kind of um, Roderick is basically unpacking the the week of chaos that's happened, along with kind of the reasoning why this may have happened as well, um, and it's just this incredibly rich story where we get these six character arcs for the children and then we get this crazy long character arc for for Roderick and and Madeline kind of throughout the course of their life um and it's you know it's a true kind of you know this is a who's who of Flanagan's kind of Netflix Mm. cast really you know Roderick you know played by uh, Bruce Greenwood you know we've not seen him since Gerald's Gate oh no he was in um Doctor Sleep as well, wasn't he? But we haven't seen him on Netflix for since since uh, since Gerald's Game, you know. And then kind of not just the Netflix stuff because yeah, there's like a lot of people from Doctor Sleep, which was great. Yeah, yeah, and it's just kind of a who's who, really, which is just fantastic. Um, with a with a huge addition to the cast of uh, of uh, Luke Skywalker himself, Mark Hamill. Mm. Um, who we'll is? Get to, we'll get to him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is fantastic in this. Um, you know, there, there are so many standout characters and I think that's what this show is so strong with the, the, just each character in each story I cared about equally. And that's so rare when you're, 
watching a show where, you know, we effectively get, like I say, we get the six stories for the children. We get the, the, the kind of court case and the ongoing stuff and all of the stuff with Pim around that and the week. And then, and then we get this history of, of uh, Roderick and Madeline where Roderick and Madeline are played by multiple kind of actors throughout this, this, you know, that, that arc, you know, and, and, um, just every part of it there, you know, there wasn't one bit that it would flick to and I'd groan and be annoyed by. It was like, I was intrigued by them as when they were young and kind of how they were getting into the company and how they were weaseling their way in each of the children. I, I, I really liked their story. And, um, you know, I, I think that's what was so great about it where it, it, it never, it, it never was, oh, God, we're going to have 10 minutes of these now. Mm. And and probably it's its biggest strength and its biggest weakness because certainly as the episodes went on and, and you know, we, we very much quickly get into an arc of this season is basically an, an episode opener, an episode closer, and then six episodes where a child dies in each episode. And once we started to lose children i i did really miss them and especially when we started to get towards the latter episodes and it was like we've only got like one or two children left and i was like Mm. oh man i really miss some of them children and and i wanted more from them um i think um in in particular like you know the the probably not the first one to go but certainly the the like second and third I really didn't want either of them to go when they did. And I felt like they had more to give, um, you know, especially, especially episode three, I'd say where I really wanted more of her character. She was, she was probably one of the best siblings in the way that she was portrayed. And it was like, man, how did she go so quick? Mm. Um, it was cool but, though because I didn't expect it. Yeah, like obviously same. with it being Kate as well, who has played obviously you know his wife, played so many pivotal roles over the years, um, and coming off the back of Midnight Mass, which was like easily her best performance in my opinion out of all of the Flanagan universe thus far. Um, I expected them to try and one up that, and I'm so glad they didn't. You know she played a more side character, um, and she was amazing in the show. But yeah, she wasn't in it that much. And and I was left wanting completely more um, from those first three siblings that all passed away. I think all three of them were amazing. And my only criticism is that we didn't see enough of them. Now, the other side of that would be if someone like Perry, who I loved, is like, okay, if we'd have had more Perry, would I still have loved him as much? Because maybe he is, you know, maybe he would have overstayed his welcome, but I don't know that. But then the ones that did stay for long mainly vic and um the ones is it tamblin she's the one i always yeah. forget the name yeah Tam, Tam, yeah i'm gonna call her tammy um mm. tammy and um uh vic they were the two that kind of did start slowly start to overstay the welcome where it's like oh, okay i get that that's the format you know you want to kill off one per episode and it's just unfortunate that the ones i thought were really great were and, and again not all because we got like freddie as the last one um he was the last one right yeah. yeah um and i was so glad that he was the last one for reasons which we'll get into with his character yeah, well, his, i think his arc was fantastic yeah his, know, needed, how, how his needed the slow build yeah whereas whereas i think i think tammy is the one where hers just kicks in with her episode and there's yeah. little bits of it and to be fair i love the little bits that you got 
but it, yeah the it set was, was more better than the payoff probably <laughs> yeah you know and as soon as we got into it and with Vic I, I wasn't that into her setup at all yeah um, hers was the worst one yeah it's you know really cool potential I loved that like when I first heard about who she was yeah that she was creating this kind of fake heart and it obviously very much ties into you get a sense of dread from Roderick straight away where I was like, oh, clearly he's, you know, got, you know, because I think it's the first episode where his doctor tells him news that we that yeah. we're not aware of. And so I'm like, oh, OK, he's clearly got a ticking clock while this is going on, um, which we later find out means so many more reasons than just the health reason. <laughs> yeah. But like, I kind of got that feeling of like, oh, he is, you know, forcing this through for his own life. Um, and so I really thought that would tie in interesting ways. And it's cool having these um, these breadcrumbs that don't necessarily pay off, because I think the other one, which I thought was epic because I was so worried about it was the AI stuff with Madeline um, and with Lenore, who who I really want to t- touch upon as a character. Um, I was so worried when they set that up early on. It's like, oh, yeah, we've been reading with your social media posts and we're creating this copy of you. I was like, oh, yeah, God, was where's this? I was like, where's this going? But the way that paid off in the finale was amazing because it was so understated. It wasn't this like jarring like i really thought it was going to be a get out of jail free card um once we learn the rules of what's happened here um it's funny that we're still skirting around spoilers when we don't need to be but like yeah once once we figure out that like yeah your bloodline has to die Mm -hmm. when you die um and you know that lenore is (laughs) you know that lenore is the easily the biggest casualty in that because she's the only innocent nice one (laughs) yeah so like it's immediately like fuck like once you hear that and you know her days are numbered. It's just like this. That's like the most dread I felt during this whole show was kind of waiting for that to happen. Um, and thankfully, that was like a, a nice send off, as it were, um, because it was like I was getting so nervous waiting for that moment. But then when we'd had that little seed dropped about the AI, I was like, oh, please don't tell me that's your way of getting out of this is like they've made an, a perfect clone of her. And so she's just walking around and survives it. But the fact that it was this like broken AI that's sending him these text messages, um, yeah. and especially that was the way they tied in the Nevermore stuff, which, like I say, is the only thing I know about Poe. I was like, oh, that was that was so well done. Like that was one of my favorite moments in the finale for sure. That that whole payoff. Um, it's but, yeah. it's so hard to to unpack this show. Yeah, there's so um, I wish I made more notes, but I was having way too much of a good time that just well, in the it? moment. But it also just hurts my brain because, like, just everything you just spoke about there is, like, things I want to touch upon. But then there's a million other things. And it's just – and I think that's the biggest thing with this, that that Flanagan just threw everything at it, Mm. you know. And there's just so many different characters. Because you think of someone like Juno, where Mm. it's like, you know, she is just in the background and and becomes, like, such a – her arc is so fantastic and the strength that she has. And, you know, and and I just thought, like – she was just going to be the usher doormat, and in particular yeah. in um, uh, the 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 um, the Junebug one, where like she just gets like the shit kicked out of her, and I thought yeah. that was I thought she was going to die. Yeah, I thought I thought she was going to like when she chucked something at her. I was like, oh, is she dead? Because like you can chuck uh, things at people in this world, and they die quite easily, mm. as we found out from Vic. So when when she just like. Um, uh was it tammy just chucked like what did she chuck at her when she was talking on stage i can't remember if it was the microphone or something oh, it was she something. 
And I was like, that could easily just cut to her, and she's just got it sticking out of her head, and she's dead. Yeah, it smacked you know her I mean? in the head. Like, it was really crazy yeah. how it hit her. <laughs> and, and like, yeah, and then the fact that she kind of comes back from that and stands up to Roderick and walks away from, like, the money, mm. and then and then it eventually is, like, a, you know, post kind of this, you know, does good and, and gets a payoff. I thought mm. that was great. Um, and I do, like... I think like post like the finale, I did feel I did feel with the final episode a little bit flat in the I was like, oh okay, they're all gonna they're all gonna die. I've got this sense of dread, like Lenore is gonna get like killed and that sucks and like and it all just kinda tied up in this really neat bow, you know, where it kind of ended with and 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 when the final credits rolled i was like oh this is just this episode played out exactly how i thought it would and there wasn't any twists and turns and then kind of once i got removed from that i then kind of just looked at the series as a whole and i was like it was such a beautiful executed story where it's just like we're so used to them trying to have this twist or trying to be like haha we 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 did one up on you and it was like no they just had this deal that was inevitable and it didn't matter what they did. They, they made that deal and they, they've been fucked and they haven't realized that they were fucked because they were just living the good life. And mm. once, once, once their uh, checking card was punched and you know, their time was up, they, they then suddenly realized and it was too late. The wheels were already in motion at that point. Um, you know, they were so far down the road. Um, and I kind of love that, that they were just, so far down the road, they couldn't even begin to figure out who she was. Because yeah. by the time she came back into their lives, it, it was over. Uh, yeah, and it, you know, it didn't matter either. <laughs> no, you know, and I think that's why, like, in my mind, I was hoping for, like, more of a backwards and forwards. But in, in the end, it was just inevitable. Yeah. And, and I, once I kind of realized that, I, I kind of appreciated it more. And I think... In particular with like Lenore and how that was done, I thought that was such a beautiful scene when it was like all of these other characters are getting just mutilated, you know, they're getting absolutely wrecked. And with her, they just kind of, you know, this just really gentle scene where she just tells her about all this good that's going to happen post her death, basically. Yeah, and, to her mom. Yeah, and just gives her this warm, happy feeling and then just, just sends her on her way. And it was like, you know, part of, part of me wanting to see her get ripped to shreds like everyone else because that's that's what the show is. But then, and it, but that juxtaposition for her was, you know, so perfect. Yeah, to, to kind of just have it be this really gentle death because she was the true victim. You know, all of the other children deserved it. You know, yeah. in one way or another, and it was like, yeah, this toxic family that that just was greedy they killed people they 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 had this lawyer that just covered up their 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 seedy affairs for for you know for a lifetime um just got their just desserts but for some reason they accidentally made a nice one and yeah. it was and you could tell that like um the uh carla's character um really didn't want to do it that was the only time where she you could see that there was conflict in her where it was like well you know, 
this is the rule like you've got to go as well but it kind of sucks like why aren't you a piece of shit like everyone else yeah she said like like, my job all the time but this is one of those rare occasions where i don't and like that realization especially coming right off the back of what just happened to freddie you Mm. know when she's talking about how this could have been over quickly but then you had to keep going you had to torture that woman where she's like i'm gonna make this as painful and as as long suffering as i possibly can to you because of what you've done and so i love that there was this very much a rule set in place of what she can and can't do um and going back to what you said about how the finale did feel like this predetermined path like i loved that because i always got the impression from the first episode really that it was like him being in that room face to face with augie roderick telling the story it was the end like you knew that that was the end of the story um and you knew that at that point everyone was dead and it was just figuring out the it's you know it's that thing of lost is like it's about the journey it's figuring out what that journey was to get to this end point we know at the end every usher is dead he lost augie gets to walk away with the knowledge known of what happened and so to get that i'm glad there wasn't ever like a oh we might be able to beat um who carla is and and this and kind of this deal that they made loophole i'm so glad there was never even a hint of that it would have been we managed to save lenore that would have been what yeah you know what you're kind of hoping for is that the one good character the one good usher you know roderick manages to to somehow save in a, in a but it's like he, he didn't deserve that though <laughs> no that's what i was gonna say that lenore deserved that but roderick yeah. doesn't deserve that redemption he doesn't no. deserve to die knowing that he saved the good one yeah her, her death is his punishment and and her death is the only time he mm. really mourns yep. you know even the thought of it like he mourns more yeah. just thinking about her he, dying rather than his other six children that have died you know he buries his six children and doesn't cry his his sister is effectively his soulmate, and he straight up kills her yeah. because he's he wants her to get the death she deserves because he knows she deserves to die. But with Lenore, he's like I, you know, th- this this fucking kills me more than anything. Mm. Um, and yeah, I just, think, I think he just wanted to be over at that point as well. Like when mm. he finds out because he found out earlier that evening that Lenore was dead, it was just him and, and Madeline at that point. And yeah. so he was like, well, I've got nothing to live for. So even if this could go on a bit longer, I need this to be over like now. <laughs> That's why it's like, I need to kill Madeline because we need to die at the same time. That was the rules. And then I need mm. to just get this off my chest with Augie, this guy who I do have so much respect for, who I obviously had a bond with at one point, then completely mm. fucked, fucked him over for the kind of, in his mind, the greater good and, and him and Maddie's kind of grand master plan, mm. you know, which which worked flawlessly. And, and I, I find all of that stuff so interesting, like them two as characters and how, you know, they had this long-term plan that they executed perfectly. And it makes you wonder how kind of, if they didn't bump into Carla, Mm. um you know how differently would things have gone would they have got caught wouldn't they have got caught like because in my mind i'm like they were almost unlucky that they didn't because they didn't really believe her like they were obviously very drunk and they talk about how they didn't believe the story and then obviously they forget about it as a collective kind of memory pretty quick after that but it makes you wonder like man they could have potentially had it all like they had the right plan they just they just you know made a deal with someone that they didn't believe <laughs> yeah, like they didn't yeah they didn't really need because they'd already done like 90 percent of it at that point it's just, yeah, she it's just guarantees, yeah she guaranteed protection 
yeah, yeah. exactly protection and longevity is what what she gave them mm. um because i i absolutely loved the whole um dynamic of them slowly getting in there weaseling in with the with the ceo and mm. kind of working up and 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 how you know madeline was pulling the strings behind roderick and kind of you know especially when augie come along and and they're kind of you know that they're going to do something against him and just the way that they drop, like throw him under the bus, which is so savage. And then how they played that CEO to perfection. Um, and you know, the one, the one time that Madeline kind of used her kind of, you know, feminine assets was the, was the one time that they just took him down. Mm. I just thought all of that was, was fantastic. Um, a reveal with the wall was so good as well because yeah. the whole time and it's obviously it's the oh, classic there's a few yeah. there's a few of like the tr- the classic flanagan tropes in this show mm. of course and you know we had like the red door in hill house and stuff and like yeah. we kept seeing that um that brick wall and it was so weird because when you hear that noise it really just sounded like a cat collar noise and obviously yeah. we already had the cat stuff earlier on um specifically with leo um and so i was like why is there the same noise but then of course it was the jester hat noise which was just brilliant yeah yeah, I love it. And there was a couple of good jump scares with that fucking jester. Oh yeah, I mean in general, there's there's some insane jump scares in this. There's there's the one where the the glass shatters in the house, like fucking mm. killed me because <laughs> it came out of nowhere when he and because i think the thing why these jump scares particularly that flanagan does are so good because i remember the car one always from hill house is because like you're yeah. so invested like i'm i'm listening to every i'm i'm you know dying to hear every word that comes out of roderick's mouth and the delivery yeah. from bruce is just so flawless that like i'm waiting anticipating every line because you're finding out so much information and it's done so well and then just out of nowhere it's like oh no you're watching a horror show and you i forgot i forgot constantly that i was yeah. watching something that was well, horror because i was just watching been... one of the best stories that i've seen <laughs> for you because you'll yeah. have you'll have like madeline do like a 20 minute scene talking about corporate america and mm. what's wrong with it and you'll have roderick talk about lemons for half an mm. hour and you're, you're just captivated and then and then suddenly he'll just throw in and and i think that's the thing that like he is he he is the master of the jump scare whereas mm. like because it's so earned you know whereas you watch these these cinema horrors where you get two seconds of ch- tension and you know the jump scare's coming, and they'll either give you the fake out or the jump scare. And it's like, we get neither with this, where it's like, there's no fake out, and I'm completely unaware there's going to be something happening. And it scares the living bejesus out of me, because I'm just, I just want to hear them talk. Because mm. the amount of times with Augie and Roderick, where one of the ushers would rock up, yeah, it'd be terrifying. The, the, the first time when he's like, with it, I can't remember who he says is behind Augie, is it his mum? Yes, yeah, his mom. Yeah, and, yeah, and he's like, and he doesn't want to turn around, and you can just see the figure in the background. Mm. Um, I do like post it. I do have like some like questions because obviously the whole stuff with his mum mm. and the fact that she comes back from the dead to just kill their real dad, which obviously creates the the kind of turmoil in the company and everything. I'm like, well, this was pre Carla. So that just happened, did it? Yeah, well, I didn't really care too much about it because they don't 
they don't explain it purposely which in my mind i'm like well they were they were children mm. who didn't know what the fuck they were doing yeah, that's their version and, of and she happened. was yeah, and also she was an incredibly ill person that was refusing to take medication so the idea of her just being like comatose like basically being put in a coma herself and then being awakened from said coma a few hours later isn't that outrageous to me where well, i'm like life, yeah true. <laughs> again it's kids they buried it a half an inch down like with yeah. with wet soil like it wasn't that much again i'm not trying to like i, I see what you're saying it is Ooh. one of those things of like is there weird spooky nat- supernatural stuff in this prior to that which i think is a valid question because the rest of the show is so grounded and that's what yeah. i loved it's a grounded story about a like say two people that had a dream and they would do anything in you know would take down anything in their way to get that dream and get that power and i just loved that that was the singular vision of the whole show was how roderick and maddie were going to make everything come true for them um and i love that as the main story and then aside from that you've then got like oh who's this creepy woman that keeps appearing and and now people Mm. are getting killed it's almost like the the supernatural horror stuff is just sprinkled onto a amazing story about these people who create this drug called ligodome that is going to cost millions of people their lives but for them they become billionaires out of it and the way that starts them as these kind of bastard children of this guy who doesn't want anything to do with them their entire journey to then roderick in his skyscraper his empire that he's built him and madeline from nothing seeing these millions of bodies rain down from the sky because these are all of the casualties that he's cost you know by putting this drug out to the world to me was like such an unbelievable visual um and something that i really take forward is like you know you're one of the worst that i've ever had to deal with yeah really stuck with me she's like you're in my top five where i was like oh that's so fascinating because you think about it and it's like i know it's like there's only a couple of people that come to mind where you're like man did you make deals with them because in terms of in the history of the world there isn't that many people that could say they've got the blood of the millions of people on their hands and i think the creator of a pharmaceutical pharmaceutical drug is one of those literal viable things yeah yeah that you can really point it to because even like that you know like that doctor in in britain that killed like a hundred people that's crazy it's like like, that's unfair for a serial killer yeah like no one will get close to him because if you're running around the street stabbing people there's you're not getting figures no yeah you know but when you're just subtly killing old people for 30 years it's like yeah that's you know those stats you're not going to get and it's like yeah with these like yeah if you own a pharma- pharmaceutical company that's doing these horrible, you know, things to get your drug through and you don't care about the consequences, mm. you're literally selling an addictive drug as non-addictive. I mean, mm. it doesn't get much worse than that. Yeah, that whole um, reveal of how he talked about it and how it kind of the reason why he fell for um juno you know because mm. she was like the living embodiment she's like the greatest piece of pr they could pro- po- that yeah. could possibly exist because it like ligodome has saved her life for now but mm. she doesn't has no idea the long-term consequences that she's just swapped i think it was heroin that she was addicted to yeah. she's basically just swapped that for ligodome and yeah. the actual long-term consequences of getting off that which he explains to her is going to be way harder than if she'd have just stayed addicted to heroin um which is super fascinating but yeah there's just so much in this like as far as a very minor criticism the there's like a couple but the and they're so small in the grand scheme of things but like after the first three episodes i was like this is the best thing i've ever seen yeah i know (laughs) it it, it, the first three episodes are, are immaculate in terms of the 
the the combination of the flashbacks and learning about them as children and then learning about them as young adults roderick and madeline then the modern day stuff seeing the usher family at their pomp at the start of the trial seeing him those first interactions with orgy in the house which is so mm-hmm. stellar like everything was perfect and then those first the episodes children two- in the in the height of their their like dickheadishness as yeah. well yeah getting to see the kids all together yeah yeah exactly like it was so special so i was like and especially because i remember hill house started pretty slowly and midnight mass as well where i was like oh this is starting off at a way higher level than his previous shows that i think are amazing um and then two and three being the more okay these are more centered on characters and with it being perry and that whole thing was amazing and kind of seeing freddie's wife get involved i did not see that coming um which then obviously leads on to freddie's arc which is spectacular um and all that stuff and then that ending with the acid shower at the end of episode two well i was just like jesus yeah. christ and that whole thing with like carla you know going in there as this kind of like ghostly entity like little red riding hood um, she's just and- very captivating in this whole season as well yeah. just whenever she's on screen you're just like oh shit what's she doing definitely and i i wanted to see more of that which is her just kind of slowly messing with things because in this one she basically just tells a few people to get out she tells the workers to get out and she does tell freddie's wife who doesn't listen yeah because otherwise it was just um perry's mistake you know that it had these acids uh in the in the tanks he wasn't aware of so she was like the least involved in that entire thing which i loved um and then going into obviously camille's episode in episode three was so good you know with the testing of the chimps and again the the ending of episode two and three like my jaw was just on the fucking floor it was like these deaths are graphic they're meaningful they're dramatic i'm like eager to see what happens next i was like how can they possibly top this um and then it this is where like the minor criticism comes in as i thought four and five were slower um not just what we focused on in the present which was lesser characters because this was this would have been what um, was leo yeah leo was four and then vic was five yeah Yeah. and whilst i loved leo just what happened to him wasn't too super interesting to me i again i love the setup more when we were getting him with his partner and all this stuff and the cat going missing he's like fuck i gotta get this replacement cat i loved all that but then once it just got to like oh i'm going a bit crazy which is also what happened to then vic as well it was Mm. just like oh you've gone a bit crazy it wasn't as super interesting to me because i thought the Vic's yeah, the way- crazy you had such a better payoff as opposed yeah. to, to Leo that was just kind of like swinging for the fences and falling off a balcony. You know, his was the least satisfying like death of them all, I think. Yeah, I agree. So that's when it was slower. But then it, it also wasn't just the present stuff, which, again, wasn't as good as the rest of the season, but still very good. And we're still getting the build up. We're still getting this is where we're getting the beginning of Freddie being paranoid, which now is worth it because of where that story went. But at the time, again, it wasn't super captivating to see a whole episode where he's just trying to unlock her phone. But like, so like in the moment, it's not amazing, but it got us to a really satisfying conclusion for, I think, all of those three, you know, his wife and his child, like that trifecta of the family loved the way all three of those stories concluded. Um, But then it was the past stuff because we'd had so much with Madeline and Roderick, like early and obviously living with Annabelle and raising his children and him struggling. And we had like, you know, him pitch Ligodome to Rufus and him basically scam him and and for his thanks he gets a five hundred dollar check like all of that stuff was so intriguing in the i think in episodes two and three but then that just really slowed down because at that point i was really wanting 
getting to find out like how did they gain control of the company basically and i feel like it was at a certain point in the middle of the season where i was like oh, okay you're clearly saving this for the finale mm. so i think by the time i got to like six i was okay with that but it was just in the middle it did slow slightly for me but then like holy shit did it pick up like once we end you know ended up getting those scenes of consequence of seeing how they were you know because we get the bar scene where madeline and roderick first meet like carla which is so awesome and then like i was desperate to see because you're like you know they've done something because they're trying to create an alibi and it was a shame that you get like that scene in episode i think it is free and then you don't get to see the rest of that night until the finale and again it's it's amazing when you see it fucking good and they knew yeah exactly so it's like so now looking back on judging the whole season it really doesn't matter that's why i'm saying this is a minor criticism because it's like it was just how i felt slightly in the moment where i was just maybe i was just too eager i I wanted too much but it was like it did slow down but boy was it worth it by the time we got to the finale and the only other small one was just the way roderick and madeline's story ended for me in the house wasn't the best like i again i don't know what i'd have wanted but it was a bit jarring for me of like him yeah like him especially because i loved what happened at the end of seven where obviously madeline thought she could win by Mm. telling roderick to kill himself and that whole scene with him crying and taking the pills and then like staring at the wall and at that point you still don't know why he's staring at this fucking wall like it was it was all so good and then obviously with carla just touching him and being like no sweetie this doesn't end like that i was like oh it was so like the end of seven was amazing um and and so then i was like man how is this going to end? And so the seeing end of like seven was when I knew that was like yeah. when she touched him and I was like, Oh, they're fucked. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This that, is when, you was... know, like it definitely yeah. is a predetermined path and, and it's just, this ends when she says it ends, not when you say it ends. And, like... and I think that's why, because like early on, they kind of tell you it's predetermined and they're fucked, mm. but you kind of think, Oh, okay, this is a TV show. They're going to figure out uh, some way. And like mm. when that happened and it wasn't, it wasn't even an effort. I was like, oh, no, game over. Like, they're done. <laughs> yeah. Like, Definitely. yeah, I thought, I thought that was great. And I think as well, like, the fact that this, it really is Final Destination, you know, majority of these kills that, mm. like, you know, the outside world looking in just think that the Usher family all died in a series of unfortunate events uh, yeah. over the course of a week, you know, and... um that's why I love Augie, because even when he gets told, he's like, well, what am I supposed yeah. to do with this information? And that's why he doesn't even yeah. use the confession in the end, because he's like, it doesn't matter. I guess Vic was, like, the only one that was, like, from, like, you know, from her um, losing her mind, whereas all the other ones could easily be chalked up to accidents. Yeah, like, hers is a bit crazy, where it's like, she's killed her wife or yeah. her partner, and then she's killed herself. Like, why yeah, has like, that happened? like, that's some mad shit, whereas everyone else was just a, a third-party accident. Yeah, well, particularly, you know? it's like, Perry's, yeah, was an obvious accident. Camille's was, like, again, an obvious accident that the cage was just left open. Yeah. Um, and then, again, his was just, you could say, well, he was constantly on drugs. So his body yeah, would have been filled with drugs. Yeah, and he fell off a balcony. So those yeah. are all, yeah, very easily explained away. Um, well, yeah, I guess and then, um, Tammy's is a bit kind of weird, because hers, is, again, is, like, her just losing her mind and accidentally killing herself by smashing up glass. Yeah, but even that would be, like, you know, she threw it and the, the glass all just, like, ripped it to shreds and everything. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I just feel like all of them were, you know, Freddie with being in the building when it collapsed mm. because he took a, you know, had a wrong turn on some cocaine. 
yeah. you know and it's like yeah all of them was that way and and I, and I thought that was really great that this isn't this isn't a haunting or a scary thing it's like no they just get you know it's almost like final destination mixed with the frighteners because it is like once they get killed they're like these just they're not traditional ghosts they're 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 much more they're just these fucked up corpses that that roderick can see Mm. you know they don't talk they they just they just are there haunting him in his mind and and you know are they even there you know or is that just his mind you know uh, you know are they really haunting him and are they around that table at the end or is that just what he's seeing you know and i think that's the thing that's open-ended about it where it's not these ghosts and these spirits and everything else it's like no it's this this deal with the devil where you've um you know and the devil always wins and you know these accidental things are going to happen and the outside world don't even know that you're being picked off yeah um and i just thought that was so clever and so well done and yeah i think um the the the, the we've not spoken about him a lot and that that's pim mm. um how how great Mark Hamill was in this, just seeing him in this role and just being this absolute asshole of a solicitor, this just hard face. And I almost I almost feel like he he is the one that I wish we had more of because I'm I almost think Carla sent him. Like he is the the, the that was the thing that she gave them. Like yeah. she gave them him. <laughs> Because he was their get out of jail free card, and it was almost like, oh, okay, you've done everything, but how are you not going to get caught? And she just created Luke Skywalker for them, <laughs> and I was like, that's, that's 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 so perfect because he is really the one thing that just keeps them going for all those years. Yeah. And then, like the second they get taken down, he just goes off into obscurity and never talks again. You know, he is ju- he was just this this vessel for Carla to to use, and I, and I love that. And his just his character was just so great. Like every crime scene when he rops up, and and like everyone hates him, all the police hate him, and and yet he gets the access. Like, how does he get this access? It's, it's mm. Carla giving it to him. Yeah, I love though and, that like we did get a hint of who he was, and we and we yeah. you know we, it gets talked about it but not shown, which I loved. And there was. I was surprised how much we got because I thought he would just be that guy. Like, he's the fixer. Yeah. You know, like we've seen in like many Tarantino films, he's just the guy that you call when you need to fix a problem. And I thought he would be that, but he ended up being so much more than that. And especially to me, it's completely solidified his. Uh, how amazing he was in the show when he he had his face-to-face confrontation with Carla like the way that went down her kind of mutual respect for him and being like wow like you're just a mere human in all this yet like I'm impressed with your talents and what you've done over the years like I've kept a close eye on you I am impressed and I want to present you with a deal and he's probably one of the first people that has ever to turn down her deal which yeah. I think makes him even more special that he knew what was going to happen when he said no. But like the way he ended that conversation where he was like, I've spent 70 years not letting anyone leverage me. I'm not going to do it now. It was just like, yeah. man, it this was is... such a great line. Yeah. And, and again, that is, we have this throughout the whole show. It's kind of what ties it together. Really is like the dialogue for everyone Ooh, is like, it's disgusting. It's, yeah. it's disgusting. 
going from like Pim to then Carla to then Roderick and um uh his sister like Maddie. Maddie like yeah like all of this stuff let alone like when Camille is firing off her when she's doing her whole how we're gonna spin Perry's death as good PR yeah. for the family like that whole part's amazing um some of Leo's just amazing quips like he's easily the one that made me laugh the most throughout yeah. the show um even though he's not in it mu much like and then like when you get to Freddy who is so fucking sinister like when, when he first when we were first presented with the family of the six um and i saw henry thomas with this with this ponytail um yeah. i was like oh god because i really I, I, I really didn't like him in blind manor the character he portrayed and the accent that he was doing and i was really worried that he was going to start start to become like the goofy one of the mm. flanagan verse and when you first hear him speak and ha and the way he looks i was like oh god he is the goofy one again but then the way the goofy one suddenly becomes the most evil character in the show over time um and it's certainly because he's in control of the one innocent character was was genius um and so to see that slowly build to see lenore have that moment where she defies her her father was incredible um to see him get like the most gleeful death from carla was amazing as well um so I love that arc. Like, that was probably the best arc out of all of them. And granted, that is the one that gets the, the longest time to cook and build. Um, but that was the one where I was like, from the start, I did not think that would be Freddy's conclusion when we first were introduced him and he was like the you know he was like the butt of the jokes when it was the six of them wasn't it like they called him yeah they're, they're like a nickname for him and obviously there's a whole other subplot that we haven't even touched upon about this informant in the family um and he's kind of like the first one that gets called out with like oh of course it's fucking freddy like he's obviously the informant <laughs> um so just stuff like that like it's i feel like they played us they certainly played me perfectly with this character because he went from like oh this is going to be easily my least favorite character to maybe not the best because i think there are there's pim there's roderick yeah. there's orgy and there's carla's character which i think are all like <laughs> amazing hey, but he's certainly up there for me pim yeah yeah um yeah well i think and i think that's the thing though where I love Mad Maddie, this, Young Maddie as well was one of my favorites. Yeah, young Maddie is fantastic actually as well. Um, but I think that's the problem. There are so many parts of this. It's so multifaceted that like mm. we've been thinking about this for ages and we've only just talking about the mole in the family. Yeah. Because it is just, they weave in so many things. And I think um, there's so many threads that he only pulls on a little bit. Because I remember, like, with Leo, when, like, he has this, this like, female that he's cheating on his boyfriend with. Mm. And it's like, oh, so is he, like, you know, what is this? Is it is it that he's just bi and, and with someone else? Is it that he's not actually gay and, like, living a lie and, like, this? Like, what what is this? And that just doesn't really get touched upon, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, like, when I first saw that, I thought that was going to be a whole arc. And, yeah. you know, there was, like, that. And there was, you know, the the whole mole thing is just kind of a way for the family to self-destruct. And, and just all of these different things that, that were that were great. And because even, even with um, Tammy, you know, her and, like... Um, I know it was kind of the crux of it, but her and her partner and like the weird little uh, prostitutes that they had, like, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thread was just, just wild. And there were just so many different parts of it where it was like, yeah, are they going to pull on it or are they just going to give us these little bits? And, you know, um, 
like you say, we got we got Pim stuff, but um, I would have taken like a, a whole episode of Pim just in on a boat, like <laughs> in the Antarctica. It'd have been yeah. great. Um, and I really, I, I really thought we were going to get it as well, like because they're yeah. talking about it in depth. And then when Carla's talking about like, oh, mm. I, I was there, like I experienced yeah. it, and I was thinking like, oh, are we going to see a, a de-aged Mark Hamill once again? Like, yeah. <laughs> is, did he bring up? Tech? I was going to say, did he ring up Disney and ask to borrow some of that tech for exactly. a day? Like, um, so I was expecting that, but like I say, I'm glad we didn't, we didn't cross that line because no, I think it no. would have started to get messy. I think the fact that the only flashbacks we got were with roderick and from roderick and maddie's point of view i think keeps mm. this so clean because it's it really did remind me of lost when i was watching it which is like the highest compliment i could give it where both timelines are equally as impressive and they yeah. both serve the same singular purpose which is getting these characters across in portraying such an epic story where like i think this is the problem with a lot of um any media that has flashbacks or anything like that dealing with timelines is that it's usually to serve filler. yeah like it'll be filler or it'll be like a case of oh you'll learn this one thing about them you'll learn this is why they like this thing or whatever whereas i think for this is this is so much more about like the overall i was learning who roderick truly was through every mm. scene especially with annabelle um his first wife because mm. i was fascinated with this where he just has this loving caring partner in these flashbacks who you then know is completely absent in the future and you like yeah. piecing it together we're like okay at a certain point he disconnected from her he went crazy and just started impregnating every woman he could see for a little <laughs> while um and then he's obviously now got this new wife and i also love that we never really go into that because no we get her as a ghost in the final episode and she kind of walks away and she has this massive bullet hole yeah. in the back of her head I know, and that's all we get and i was like oh i'm so glad that there wasn't the scene of kind of seeing that because again we don't know when that happened how long after that happened how you know i i would assume she killed herself but that's not we don't know that as a fact well the fact that she's only aged up a bit like she's mm. a bit older than the flash oh that's a really before, good point but yeah, she's not really as point. old as you know she's not an old woman no she's so maybe like, like five years older at most yeah, yeah you know and it's just it's fantastic and that's what i mean that he built this like just this patchwork blanket and just gave little threads and just went no i'm just gonna leave that there like i'm not you know, I'm just going to make you wonder. And like, sometimes that can drive me insane, but with this, mm. it just, I just loved it. And it just built on it. And also I think it's because this is Roderick's story yeah. and it's him telling it. And he can tell his children's story because they've told him. Yeah. Whereas Pim. Yeah. I know Og even says that, which is amazing. I love yeah. that part where he's like, how do you know this? It's like, cause yeah. they told me. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, but he don't know what happened with Pim, so we don't see no. what happened with Pim. He doesn't mm. know what happens with his wife. He knows that she killed herself, but that's all yeah. he knows. But that's all we see. And we are we are very singular with his lens. And I and I do love the the just the the overall message of just, you know, this hunger for, for money and, and the fact that he made that decision to sacrifice his family when he had a family. It wasn't that like he made this deal with the devil and then accidentally made a family. It was like, he had two kids when he made that decision to, mm. um, you know, broker that deal. And yep. it's like, man, what, you know, it just showed that he, he did not care for them. You know, the only person in his life that he ever cared for was, was Lenora in the end, 
you know, truly, and and his wife, but before, you know, it was too late at that point because he didn't care for her in the moment. He only cared for her when she was gone. Yeah, they, they, he um, also talks about that, which I loved, where he says, like, you know, it, the Annabelle gene skipped a, a generation. Yeah. And, like, Lenore was the first, the only grandchild to get all of those qualities of Annabelle. Yeah. Um, and I love that when you learn about the bloodline, that being the deal, which is kind of, mm. you, you kind of figure that out. Like, I think we both, when we'd spoke um, after only watching a few episodes, yeah. it kind of gathered, like, okay, they've made a deal, and this is kind of what the deal is, even if we didn't fully know what was going on. Yeah. And when you it's, then it's get so that... Obscenely rich and so you know that part that part of it where you're like oh, okay there's done something to get this exactly and so when you get that confirmation that it's like your bloodline ends when you die you then get to recontextualize the decisions that both roderick and madeline made after that mm-hmm. so roderick takes the opposite approach where he's like i'm gonna try and spread my seed as far as wide and try and beat the odds you know it's like oh they can't kill all of these children which i think is fascinating and and obviously has a grandchild whereas i was so fascinated throughout the whole show as to why madeline didn't have any children and even though it was like uh she kind of carries herself as someone who perhaps would be more focused on the singular goal like she is more driven than roderick um you know she's just not the face of it but she is easily the brains behind the operation um and she was like, no, I'm, I want to get all of these goals and I don't have time for these whims of life that other people choose to have. And so I always thought that was just her reasoning. But then when you get the subconsciously, she's like, no, I don't want children that are going to die when I die. So like yeah. that adds another layer to it as well. Like it's, it's just she, unbelievable. She, knew she chose to be selfish and she mm-hmm. knew I'm just going to live a selfish life and I'm going to die and I have no regrets because who yeah. am I leaving behind? So I just had a great time. Yeah. And she she really does um corrupt roderick in my opinion yeah, because definitely. you know i think you know when he was you know augie says that that like he is just going to go home with his with his wife and his grandkids at this point and just leave the happiest life he could he can mm. because that's happiness and roderick had that at the beginning when we first meet him he is mm. in that little apartment he's making a living he's got a wife and two kids and he is content and it's it's madeline that's like chirping into his ear and and giving him these ideas of grandeur and talking about what is their rightful place and i just Mm. think i think if she wasn't there he would have been content and she was the one that planted that seed and created that that virus in him that that she had all along um yeah I completely agree. I love that there's a point when Carla talks about what would have happened to these people. Mm. And she talks about Roderick where she's like, yeah, he would have been a struggling poet and he would have been one that would uh, have only ever had just enough money to survive, but he would have been an extremely happy man with his family. And that would have been Mm. his life. This just this unassuming doing the thing that he loved for a living. Um, And that is the juxtaposition. Like I say, he's been given the world in some capacity where he has created this unbelievable empire but like but it has a you know the thing about empires is that people want them to live on forever like that's the dream of these kind of crazy singular-minded billionaires is like if you build that empire that will live on for generations and generations past your death and that's what's so amazing about this making a deal with someone especially in the business sense because yeah yeah like it doesn't it didn't matter like everything that you built was for nothing And, and we see that 
I love that we get told it, we see it slightly, but I love you know the, all of the um the dialogue that Carla's character has, where she's talking about like here's exactly what's going to happen to Fortunado. Like I love that we're not yeah. again. This is not one of those things that we're just supposed to speculate on what maybe happened. We get told to a T what happens to Juno, what happens to Perry, um uh, Freddie's wife, and all of that stuff. And I, I to me that left me with such a satisfying conclusion to the show. And even yeah. Pim as well, like him being like, Yep, yeah. I knew what was gonna yeah. happen and that's exactly what happened. And him seeing Carla as he's kind of being taken away for the rest and she even says, doesn't she? She's like he died in jail. Yeah. Um so yeah I, I just love, I love the Orgies arc as well because Yes, oh his is know, amazing. I'm so glad we ended spent, on him. He spent 30 years losing to Roderick and Roderick mm. thought for 30 years he he was winning yeah. because because professionally he was beating Augie every day mm. but really Augie was just going home and and leading a happy fulfilled life and Roderick yeah. was going home to nothing and and I loved that in the end where it's like yeah Augie was like yeah you've I'm never and and even now that I've won, I don't get to win because all mm. I get to do is take or you know take my case down because there's no case left. But he's mm. like, "Fuck it, I'm just going to go home to my family like I've done the last thirty years, and that's that's all I need because you know I'm not I'm not this like egotistical maniac." He's like, "I don't I don't need the headlines showing that I've won. I just do my job, and this this has been my job for thirty years, but it's not been my life." And and I think that was like just such a strong message to to end on. Um, the the yeah, I just like I say, there was just so much of it that landed. There, there's very little that didn't land, and there's majority that that landed way more than almost any other TV shows. Just all of these secondary characters that are all ex- exquisite. Yeah, I, I loved with Augie as well that he's so honest in saying how look, I messed up. Like I I have wasted time chasing you. Like you were this thing that I desperately wanted that I thought would give my life fulfillment. And Mm. he did put his family to the side and he's kind of very, you know, it's almost like this cathartic session for him talking to Roderick where they really just put it out all out on the table. That's why I think that, that as a storytelling device is these two singular characters just kind of explaining all of their mistakes in their life that led him to that point is so amazing and so powerful but then it's coming from two different angles because Roderick's he can't make up for it like he made that deal he's fucked up he's lost everything and yet Augie has lost something in his life but he gets mm. to retire he gets to put this case behind him and he and, and as he mentions when he's at the gravestones like I'm the richest man in the world because I have my family and I have everything that I want in life um, and that was something that you never realized until it was too late you know, like once the Grim Reaper was coming after Lenore, that was when you suddenly realized your the error of your ways. But until that point, you didn't really care. You were still, you know, when those first kids started dropping, when Perry died and when, when Camille died, he was just like, yeah, we've got to win this case. You know, how are we going to how are we going to keep the Fortunato train going? Like, and it wasn't until it really hit home to him that, uh, that it really started to affect him. So, yeah, for me, this was unbelievable. This is like easily one of the best things of the year uh hands down it's probably my favorite story i could easily say um because i think this story is just exceptional and it's something that the more i talk about it the more i just want to instantly rewatch it now having the full knowledge of everything um I, you know i want to see those early scenes again with like roderick and madeline when they're children and, and live with their mom and stuff because now we know like where it ends um but yeah this is spectacular and obviously from like a character um, from a you know performance and dialogue this is mm. remarkable you know we've touched upon many of them but like even just 
briefly looking at our end of year categories um i wrote down seven names from this show for the acting performance categories and i feel like that was lowballing it yeah. you know that was like seven that immediately i was like duh, 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 duh. they all just went out um the, thing, the problem is tv has just dominated this year yeah yeah that's Absolutely. the thing we've we've had these two shows that are just stand out and then we've had other tv shows that have delivered to mm. a decent level and and we've just you know with with film this year we've had movies that are delivered to a decent level and then a load of mid yeah. you know and and we we've not had any spectacular we're nothing close to the level of these two these two tv shows no not even close this story is you know? so exceptional in, in every way and it's so let's say for me it's so original i didn't think it would be about this very modern day crisis that's being tackled right now and so mm. when they're getting into all of the the messaging behind it the political angles i found it all just so fascinating like there wasn't a single part of the story that wasn't intriguing to me from no. every different angle from the from the crime angle from the political angle from the law angle from the emotional angle like every single part of this worked and obviously as far as a flanagan show goes i think that's an, an interesting way to end like he now has this this trifecta of shows um with hill house and midnight mass that are just all so exceptional that like whilst it doesn't matter to kind of compare and contrast them i do find it interesting because for me, this is the one that speaks to me the most from a story level, um, you know, with one being more of a religious um, angle and one of them being more of just a traditional haunting angle. I think this encapsulating kind of multiple eras and families, this is easily the story that speaks to me the most. Um, I will give Midnight Mass the, mo the nod in terms of emotion. I still think Midnight Mass is the most emotional thing he's yeah. ever done. And I think on that level, because it's it's so much more contained, it was, you know, I've, I remember those two lead characters from Midnight Mass so much. And yeah. that, that, like, conclusion of their stories in the boat, I think, was the best thing he's ever written. And I, and I don't think he'll ever top that yeah, in that terms of just raw emotion. Best episode he's ever written, for sure. Yeah, like on a just pure emotion of the characters, I don't think he can top that. So I'm glad this was like, this obviously had emotion and this obviously had horror, which I also think Hill House was, you know, its strongest was its horror. Um, yeah. This is similar to that in the sense of obviously it has, it's about a family, it's about multiple timelines, it has multiple, you know, it's each episode's about a character dying. So it's easier to compare the two. And, and this definitely speaks to me more because it isn't just a traditional haunting film. Um, so I feel like Hill House kind of gets the brunt of the unfair comparisons um, oh. just because it is thematically more similar. And I think Midnight Mass is lucky because it just, it's so different that it's like, that's going for just the emotional beat. Whereas this is like, this is his sprawling epic that like, I almost can't fathom that he pulled this off. Like, there's too well, much going think, on. It's too, this is too big for it to work as well. That's the thing that, like, you know, I feel like Hill House was, like, this fantastic... It's him flexing his muscles as a horror guy. Mm. And then I feel like, you know, he made a couple of shows after that on the back of it and then finally managed to make what was his, you know, his baby. Is what, yeah. what, um, what Midnight Mass felt like, and it felt, like, so personal. Yeah. To, to him and his life and everything and 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 then to so that really felt like that was his um masterpiece mm. so so then to, to have this and especially when he kind of described it it really felt like he was just going to go balls to the wall craziness yeah and, and that's not what he's done at all like i get that he says that this is like the most 
gory and and over the top thing he did because of the way the characters get wrecked and the fact yeah. that we see him multiple times like that as opposed to some of the other shows but but this is like just a different you know this is a different masterpiece to midnight mass and the fact that he can create two um you know one that's so personal and one that is just him using every tool in his arsenal i think that's what it is you know bringing the cinema photographer up to to co-direct bringing back everyone from from dr sleep all the way back to gerald's game to to all of his shows you know and 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 then to to sprinkle in you know just the genius of mark hamill it was Mm. like you know it it blows my mind that that he did this and it's what you want a filmmaker to do and it, and it so really happens when they just grow and grow and grow and grow. And it's like, I felt like Midnight Mass was his ceiling and he will never do anything as personal as that again and therefore mm. won't get to that level again. And, and I don't think he will ever get to anything as personal as that again, but he's no. proven that he can get to that level again just with the, the caliber of filmmaker he is and the people he surrounds himself with. Definitely. And and that that to me is what makes me so excited, you know, that I'm like, oh, he he just he can just carry on now. Like he is just in the air flying and and I can't wait. And I'm I'm incredibly excited to see him do something shorter, you know, and, and go back to a feature and see what he can do with a feature now with the, these two projects under his belt. You know, because lest we forget that Doctor Sleep was ninety percent a masterpiece. Mm you know, and, and was incredible. And, and, you know, then to have these two off the bat of it. Yeah. I, I, I'm very excited to see that and, and would like him to, you know, be in the film world for a couple and then kind of hit the TV hard again when he's kind of refreshed a bit because yeah. man, this, this guy is busy. <laughs> mm, I know. Like when yeah. you're doing all the projects he's doing that in itself yeah. is crazy. But then like I say, what this is, is, Again, what we were described at the start of the year, where it was like, okay, it's this Poe thing, and it's going to be really violent. I thought it would be like his almost American horror story of just yeah. like, I just want to get my horror out in in some sort of vessel. So I've got a name that people know. Um, but what this ended up being was, yeah, in, in my opinion, like his sprawling epic in terms of the writing and the level of depth yeah. of the characters, where, again, it's not this personal journey that is drawing from all of these life experiences that he poured his heart and soul into like midnight mass but he he's working in someone else's wheelhouse in a way that i didn't think was possible and and that gets me really excited because we know flanagan loves to work like obviously his the film is based upon a stephen king short story and it is exciting to me that the one thing i have seen people say is like oh yeah i've read the story it's cool but like how the hell do you make that into a feature and that's like super exciting because he's basically yeah. just taking those raw bones and making it its own thing. Which I, again, I don't know how much this is original, but I'm gonna guess that a lot of this is just his own ideas. Um, which I think, I that's think great, is you know, because that's like Black Phone, isn't it? You know, when we were like, mm. oh, how do you turn this into a feature? And they did a decent job of it, but like someone like Flanagan, where it's like, oh, okay, this is just like a six short story, cool. Yeah. And then can he turn it, can he turn it? And like, he is the man that can, can do that for sure. Definitely. So yeah, this, this was unbelievable. Like I could talk about this forever. Like I just, I want to rewatch it again. There are so many high points throughout the whole thing. Um, 
you know, we haven't even talked oh, about yeah. like Rufus is a piece of shit. Like there's there's so many good characters mm. where again you just forget like I really like Annabelle in her it's just God and the the North, like, you know, Yeah, the, the system's great. I also did want to, there was one I thing know. I wanted to touch upon was I loved Freddie's wife early on as well. And, yeah. and like it's a shame that she does just become this kind of um <laughs> yeah, just a vessel to get Freddie, you know, as mm. this evil villain over because it's good in a way that she doesn't really get to explain herself because I that is one thing that I wanted to know more of because I love that she just kind of gets allured into this party and you see the way she she acts it so brilliant this party because she's kind of very nervous in her own skin um you know and it's like do I really want to be here and she's st- and it's so like a oh, I kind of did this as a spur of the moment I don't know if this is the life I want to lead and then it, like I say it's this very tiny lapse of judgment for the first time in her life where she's maybe just did something a bit exciting and a bit wild and now suddenly Suddenly, that has made supposedly the man that she fell in love with just turn into this most evil piece of shit ever to her. Yeah. Like, I just, man, it's so, there's so many um, threads that you can pull on. This is so, yeah. such a remarkable TV show. Like, I hope and pray that uh, everyone watches this and enjoys it as much as we did. Cause, yeah, like I say, yeah. if you've been watching film like us and been maybe slightly disillusioned with the genre this year like you, you need to be watching the tv because that is that is where it's at this year and i never thought i'd say that i'm always been a, t- a film guy first and foremost and i always will be Same. um Same. but this year is really making me question that after the last of us and this uh, this work of art as well um sure but uh yeah do you have anything else to say or should we call it there no i mean i think it's it's a fairly simple uh recommendation yes. Paul, where it's just, <laughs> yeah absolutely watch this uh you know and um enjoy yeah like my recommendation would be pay netflix whatever the hell they're asking um to to you know to get the service for as long as it takes for you to watch this show because you will not be disappointed <laughs> like it yeah is... whatever whatever the most expensive tier of netflix is like the, the <laughs> hp multi-user multi-house yeah. for a year paid by that just to yeah. watch this <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, for for eight hours of how good this is, I couldn't yeah. put a price on this. It's 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 just stunning. I love this yeah. so much, and this is one of those ones that I would I would pay a fortune to have on 4K. But uh, I, I can't imagine this ever going to happen with Netflix. Uh, you know, it does happen on rare mm. occasions. Yeah. yeah, it's a shame that like I know Amazon are just never going to put that Lord of the Rings show on 4K because they just want you to obviously be a Prime member, which sucks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe they will. But I would love. I know. I know we're old school that way, and we'll we'll talk about mm-hmm. some physical media in just a sec. But yeah, I, this is one of those things that I just want to show my love in a way that I would love to just own it like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the final word is like, man, Mike Flanagan, man. I mean, what what is there to say about this guy? Like, I really thought we had said you know like i thought we'd yeah. wrote the entire story of mike flanagan at this point well, i thought we did i thought midnight mass was it i thought yeah. that was his masterpiece yep you know i know and, and it's crazy because this is yeah this is probably my favorite show which i yeah i never thought i would say that about another one after those other two <laughs> yeah and like i i don't know like yeah. this and midnight it's mass for hard. me uh, are incredibly close and you know having rewatched midnight mass uh, a couple of months prior to this like mm. I need to rewatch this again to, to truly know. Yeah, definitely. It is purely like, I think what we said well is like, it's purely just a personal preference because mm. they're yeah. flawless and it's just, which one will you lean more towards? And like, 
I think, you know, I talked about it. I loved Midnight Mass, but it was very sad and very depressing at times. And, and I don't know, you know, I don't typically like that in my media. Whereas this, whilst it had a few moments like that, it was mostly just inciting, exciting and enthralling for us. Yeah, it was and only really Lenore pretty... that was sad. Yeah, All the other yeah. characters, you kind of just, what you know, they deserve to die. Absolutely, yeah. And like I say, with, with how that was transpired, they treated that with the care that I wanted it to be treated with. Mm. So, like, it was a beautiful moment for that to end, even though... It's like I'm glad in a way, like I say, because I, I didn't want them to, to kind of bitch out, as it were, and be like, oh, just because she's the good one, she gets to live. Like, no, that mm. wouldn't have been that wouldn't have been in line that with. Yeah, I mean, look at the, the title of the show. Like, that's what this needed to be. And it, and it absolutely delivered. Mm. It was the epic fall of this family. It was just it was so remarkable. Um, but yeah, that was our discussion on the fall of the House of Usher. I will take a quick break and we will be right back. So yeah, there was uh, something I just want to touch upon quickly, um, which I'm sure we'll, we'll definitely talk about this properly when I'm sure we've watched some of this amazing release that we've both got our hands on in the past week. I've already um, watched some of it, bro. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What have you watched? Have you watched Hellraiser? I watched Hellraiser and uh, been watching some of the special features on there as well. Nice. And Jesus Christ, it looks fantastic. Yeah, um, well, obviously I can't talk about the transfer yet, but the... I, I need to just talk about this box because yeah. we, you know, we talked about it when it got released and how nice it looked and it was an instant pre-order for both of us it does not do it justice until you get it in hand in front of you um, this Hellraiser Quartet of Torment is the best piece of physical media I've ever purchased in my life yeah. it, it is like perfect how kind of minimalist the outside art is but just so stunning and striking and then kind of the more you pull this thing apart, it gets more and more intricate and filled with Hellraiser detail throughout the whole thing. Um, yeah. It has a heft to it. Like, it feels like a, a premium product. It's just there, there isn't a single thing about this that I would change. It's from the no, slip, the artwork. It, it gets a real book. You know, you talk about they give you a book in some of these special editions, but it's basically a pamphlet, you know, a little small tiddly leaflet. This well, is a this is a book. <laughs> some of those special editions, like the, the, the quote unquote books, mm. feel like they, they, they have a smell to them and a feel to them that isn't satisfying. Yeah, it doesn't whereas, feel premium. No, whereas, like you say, everything about this is premium, but also just the fact that often when you get these crazy premium because i think of like the the phantasm that's like cool mm. and just over the top and crazy but then you look at it on the shelf and it just looks ridiculous yeah whereas like you say this just looks beautiful on the shelf and then you it's just this understated spine that just says hellraiser and it fits perfectly with all other blu-rays and then when you mm. actually pull it out and see what it is you know when i when i got it i messaged you and was like this is this is the best blu-ray i've ever got yeah, um, I can't like because I've got the um I think you have as well the the second sight Dawn of the Dead 4K yeah which is like a really cool unique thing and it all looks nice but it just I have it just sitting on the end because it doesn't go with anything and it nice. is just this weird shape it kind of when you open it up it doesn't feel right as well when you look at the individual elements it's nice but it as an overall package it doesn't really tie together it's just like a bunch of random shit in a box whereas this is I'm a it just fan of of it looking right on the shelf and yeah. like you say that dawn of the dead it's just a bit chunkier and a bit 
it just sticks out, you know. Yeah. Whereas this, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, it's just I, I couldn't believe how nice this is. Let alone with the artwork of the yeah. of all the quotes written in blood and everything. And so, yeah, I, I can't wait to actually get into the thing that I bought it for. But like, mm. as far as presentation goes, yeah, it cannot be understated. This is I've never seen anything like this. And and again, if this wasn't, you know, if this was about something that I liked a little bit, it would be great. But the fact that it's Hellraiser as well just fills me with joy. And I would love to see the other franchises like Nightmare on Elm Street and other ones that we love as much as Hellraiser be given just an ounce of this love because I'm just this yeah. is so worthy of the franchise in such an amazing way. I know, I know what I want next. Um because I was thinking about it and I was like, oh, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street is the one that comes to mind, but it's like, what, what, what do they do? Do they do the one movie? How many movies do they have, you know, in there? And, you know, it gets messy. And if, if they don't just have the one movie, what mm. do they then do? But I was like, oh, I know what I want. I want, I want the Evil Dead trilogy. Yeah. That's what I want. I want Arrow to do the Evil Dead trilogy. And I know you can then be like, oh, Fed A and everything else, but I'm like, I get that, but like for me, and especially because those old movies would look so fantastic in 4K like that, because I think that's the thing where Arrow does 4K restorations better than almost anyone. Yeah. And, and watching Hellraiser, I'm like, it felt like a new experience watching it, um, where it just everything looks so fantastic. And even the bits that are gore and, and you know when frank is first like organs like coming together and stuff and it's like it's it's not the 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 the, the world's greatest looking stuff but just in 4k it just gives it a better pop mm. and, and let alone the, the stuff that does look incredible just looks even more incredible and it it does blow my mind and it is one like rewatching this where my like, hellraiser really is one of the greatest horror movies you know, it really is underrated. It's it's so good, and it just has so many elements to it. And um, let alone the the kind of just macabre violence and and just craziness to it, and and how little the Cenobites are really explained. They're just there and present when they need to be. Mm. Um, I really loved it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I can't wait to jump into more of them. And I, and I did jump into the features, and it's weird because. This this is lighter on features than the the Scarlet Box, um, but they've done a real effort to give us new features, mm. and and which pisses me off and makes me happy because because uh, obviously I've got I haven't got the Scarlet because the Scarlet Box was the one with effectively a book, wasn't it? Yeah, that was like the limited edition of the trilogy that yeah. happened on Blu-ray. Yeah. But then obviously everything else is the same. And, and so I have that version without the booklet, basically. And and that has the, the fantastic um, documentary and everything on there. And, and so basically it means that I can justify keeping both. Yeah. Because I'm like, they have given me two different lots of special features. And and I'm like, God damn it, you bastards. Because if they'd have put that documentary on this 4K, I would have sold my, my Blu-rays. But now I'm like, eh, what's the point of cashing them in? Like, that, that's a nice box set as well. I'm yeah. like, I get two Arrow box set. <laughs> so, like, I've already in my mind justified keeping them on <laughs> that one thing. And I'm like, God damn it. You know how to sell me physical media and, and, and keep it on there. And I think, you know, we had a phase where we were a bit down on them. And they were putting out releases that didn't talk to us. And so, you know, this 
the the like as soon as I watched Hellraiser, and especially how good it looked in 4K, I was sat there like looking at that child's play, like like what do I do? Um, ultimately, I do think though with their sale that like because obviously this one we wanted that uh, special slipcase, mm. which did not disappoint. With with Chucky, I don't think it's special at all. No, um, I think I, I would go for the normal one. Color. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, and the way Arrow does crazy sales, I can see it like a year post-release that, that being in a sale somewhere. Oh, yeah. If that even gets um, close to like a 50% off, then, then it becomes an insta-buy for sure. Exactly. And and so that's what I'm banking on. Um, I don't know whether you saw that Arrow did a, a video unboxing of the regular edition. What, the, uh, the Charles Play one? No, no, Hellraiser. Oh, okay. No, I didn't so, see it. Like, front cover. All right, nice. I'll have to look at it. Yeah, so it's on their like socials and that, which was cool to see. Okay, that, and, well, people and, can and check that out then. That's that. cool. Yeah, and just to see that, it was like, you bastard. You know how nice this is. When have they ever done a yeah. video of an unboxing of it? Well, that's genius because, like, that—that's what I'm trying to struggling to get across. Is like, and that's, um, yeah. But I would just say people need to look at that because, yeah, yeah, it is. It's like, yeah, we've all had nice limited editions, and obviously Arrow is no stranger to this. They've been doing it for over a decade, so we all know how great these are. And obviously, it's like, yeah, if you're into your 4K as well, then clearly the transfers are going to be a bit sweeter. But this is this is a step above. It it it, yeah. it puts those other ones now. Where I look at my previous ones like carrie and Candyman that i love and they just they just don't look the same now i'm just like nah this just isn't these are fine now whereas before i was like oh this is great look at this poster this is sick whereas now it's like they have they have leveled up to a point that i don't know if they can ever emulate it and maybe it's because we i don't even think it is because we just love hellraiser like obviously we do but maybe hellraiser is one of those franchises that is it, it suits this because there's so much amazing art that you can pull from. I think that's the thing. I think visually, and I think that just shows with the with the Child's Play one. Yeah. I think that is an awesome thing that they've put all together, but the package and the design didn't sell me. Yeah. You know, where the second... I, I want both versions of this Hellraiser box set. Mm. I, I, I still want the Pinhead one because the Pinhead one's thick. <laughs> like that's the problem where i'm like oh, okay well, i can maybe have three versions i'll have the i'll have the blu-ray so i can have the, the documentary that's obscene. i'll have both 4k's i'm like i'm not gonna do that probably yeah you got, but, you got you a know, problem come an arrow sale <laughs> I, I can't guarantee that i won't yeah we'll see about that one um it's great yeah um before we think a great thing um so yeah we uh we'll quickly talk a little bit about chucky obviously episode three of the new season um we obviously i guess Got we that. talked about um i had a great time watching last week so i mean do you want to i mean i guess we can talk about it together really but like did you um you didn't you, you hadn't watched all of last week's episode prior to uh, no. the recording no, did you did you enjoy uh, episode two as much as i did i absolutely did and you know for the reasons that i liked episode one and mm-hmm. it built upon that and and but what episode three has done is just brought it to a whole new level yeah because not only have we got the return of the legacy characters in this you know just everything to do with them or the the trial of tiff and the the um you know all of that backwards and forwards with mika and all of the other characters being in there and stuff and i was like this is all just gold you know, every second of it, I'm loving. But then Chucky with the little girl, what's her name? I can't think of her name. Do you oh, know? I forgot now. Damn it. I knew it as well because they always say it. <laughs> yeah, constantly. Yeah, but, I'll look um, it up now. We're looking. Look it up. But like, 
him like with her and like teaching trying to get her to kill and then him starting to look old and having this thing where he goes to see this weird doctor and stuff i was a little bit like <laughs> i don't know what this is like is is I, I don't know whether this is working for me and then when the doctor just puts him on this path of like oh you need to get back in good books with dembala and you're gonna <laughs> do some mad evil shit and like so then he goes to amityville and i was like this is brilliant and then, and I hadn't even twigged that this was going to like link up with the White House mm. until he was literally at the gates. Yeah, and I was like, oh, of course. So, so like because it was one of my biggest things with episode one and two, where I was like, it's cool and all, but why the fuck is he at the White House? Yeah, like why? And is he going to try to become president or what? Um, <laughs> yeah, what was the whereas, end game? Yeah, whereas like now we know why he's doing it. It makes me so much more invested in it. So like it's elevated episode one and two for me because now I know what his point is. Yeah. Um. So like I love that stuff, and then obviously just let's say everything with Tiff and the whole court case, and um, it it was all just great, and and just where I'm like. It, it it's it's got itself to such a high position now where i'm like man i because what we've only got one more haven't we i think so yeah yeah and it's just like oh that's so disappointing because i want so much more i want i want like tiff in prison it's a halloween episode want, as well oh god <laughs> like, i can't wait like it's it's been a really good season yeah yeah i completely um, agree I, I loved episode three um off the back of two obviously this was the one that we were waiting for it was the yeah. catch-up episode and it's, it's weird the way they do it because like i loved it but it, it was just a case of we could have just had this from the start like <laughs> i don't it, it's just a weird way they do it because like this did feel almost like a like a, a sprint where it's like <sighs> we're, we're catching yeah. you up and we and then it's like by the end of this episode you could be like right now you can breathe now you know where everyone is in the current timeline and now we can move forward but it was a case of like you could have just had this sprinkled in the kind of tiffany stuff and we could have obviously had chucky with caroline um which i think is such an awesome dynamic i always love when it's him and, a, and an actual little kid um, well, don't just drop caroline in there you know re- refresh me that that's the name after you've looked it up i thought you would assume that based <laughs> upon said conversation um but yeah like i love that dynamic she's amazing yeah. she's like perfectly really growing into this just like crazy yeah. little monster which i love um we I have to give a shout as well to the opening of the episode with oh my god with the, Keenan yeah this for me was easily the best kill in the entire yeah. show so far across all three seasons um and arguably one of the best kills in all of horror this year um, I was so happy when I saw him in the front of the like as the taxi driver and I just knew what was going to happen yeah well, it was... and then it was better than I imagined. Yeah, it's such a good cameo because what I loved as well is just this small touch because this was a major problem I actually had with the last season was like the credits really spoil shit, the opening credits, because they say obviously all the names of the people that are going to be in it. And I remember when um, like Andy and Kyle came back, I saw their names in the credits. Mm. And obviously like at the time, I think it was like we had assumed Kyle was dead. And so it was like, oh, she's in this now. And then she'd turn up like 30 minutes into the episode and it would be this big reveal that I already saw coming because they themselves spoiled it on screen. So that always bothered me a little bit, but they nailed it here because they obviously showed a couple of names, but then we had the cameo anyway. So it's not even like a spoiler, 
but it was just fun seeing Keenan in this ridiculous role where he's like, why is this doll talking to me? This like amazingly satisfying kill that went on so much longer than I was expecting. It was so graphic. Just like seeing seeing it slowly being chucked down his throat and this amazing like animatronic, you know, fake body they made of Keenan, which was so incredible. And I'd love to just see him making of just that because it was so well done. Then like I say, yeah, the umbrella opening, the conclusion of that, but then the, the perfect timing of as the kill happens it says guest star keenan thompson in the bottom hand of the screen and i was like oh my god that's like a, a joke that they've used in the credits like it, it made me like flawless. just fist pump the air yeah. watching it oh i was like clapping i was like this is chucky to me like uh, they, they they are at that level again like you said and so yeah then we're getting all the fun stuff like i was curious where it was going because they were trying to tie up a lot of loose ends very quickly of like um particularly with jennifer because obviously she's like a known criminal now standing trial um because yeah what the conclusion is that she's sentenced to death right because she's like in in texas um so yeah we don't know what's going to happen with that yet so that's kind of interesting because she's just like screwed right now like on her own yeah she's after the book yeah yeah so yeah i guess so like but i don't know who's going to help her unless maybe caroline does that while she's obviously because again that's interesting that she was with chucky during all this stuff yeah we don't know where she is now yeah and she's just been away from the white house stuff so um that i'm I'm excited to see her get reintroduced and then obviously seeing what the teens are up to as well so yeah it's great like say the only downside is like man i just i just wish we had the full season because the the season is firing on full cylinders they're doing the thing we wanted which is they're making chucky amazing again like season one um which is which is exactly what we asked for and i just like say if the, if the conclusion of this is we get four great episodes now and four great episodes next year it won't matter um but just in the moment i'm enjoying it so much that i really uh really just want to see it all but yeah i'm really excited for this week's one gonna enjoy it and savor it as much as possible it's yeah, obviously yeah. a it's a halloween episode it's a uh, don's right in this one as well so um yeah very very exciting indeed um, i want to know how many season arc is like in the in his brain and, i think it's, I think it's then, infinite well, I think it is, and <laughs> and the thing is, I feel like at this point, like, I I don't know what's going to happen, whether it, it, like, I said, like, next week's episode could be the last episode ever, mm. or somehow he has got infinite funding for the level he wants. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because this is a knows, lot bigger than season two as well, which yeah, is great. Like, there's so I much more going on. I feel like he just has got some sort of infinite backing somehow. Mm. like i like i i don't know if that's just more my hope because yeah i feel like this is it's almost how walking dead was described as a comic is what chucky now is as a tv show <laughs> and 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 i want it so bad where i just want new seasons of chucky and and it's funny how that wasn't the case in season two but they've just they've brought it back so strong they've got such a good deal going because obviously it's it airs on both the usa network and sci-fi mm. and i hope that that's what's really helping the show is obviously having it on a more traditional mainstream channel and then a more niche genre specific channel means that you're hopefully getting both the hardcore and the casual at the same time mm. in two different places and then also you can share said production costs a, a bunch of the channels as well so that hopes share the load so yeah like again that's purely speculation but i've not seen many shows have a deal like that and it seems to be working great for chucky you know and especially because they can have the more 
you know you have like the more violence the more swearing version on sci-fi as well with a slightly more comedic the, the more comedic sort of softer tone for the usa networks it, ju- it just works like it's such a oh. weird thing but i guess that's the charm of chucky right like chucky should not have existed in this form for 40 years and still be as endearing as and brilliant as it was back in the 80s uh, yet here we are so i think that's what it is that, that is so fantastic how it does just work yeah definitely sometimes things just work and it's uh it's a great 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 time to be a fan of these things so yeah so much good shit going on man like it's uh like i say we've we've poo-pooed a bit about films this year even though we've had some good films lately you know we really enjoyed vhs the other day um mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got uh, Five Nights at Freddy's next week, so uh, Cinema Horror, back at it again. Um, but yeah, we've had some good stuff elsewhere, on the, obviously in the TV world, so uh, it's, it's picking up. In, in the, like I say, we're right in the midst of it. There's, there's other stuff out there that I want to see, like uh, Goosebumps is out. I'm so intrigued in that. Um, there's always that American Horror Story just sitting there being like, is that going to scratch an itch at some point? I was thinking about yeah. that, though, prior to House of Usher. Where I was like, Mike Flanagan, I feel like, did kind of kill American Horror Story for me. Yeah, because he's done it to a new level with this cast. You know, yeah, whereas... like, it's, because it's, I know it's completely different, but it is, like, these singular contained horror stories with this returning cast of characters cast. I love. Yeah, yeah and, it, and it is, whilst they're very different and serve different niches, once he did Hill House, it was like, it, it felt like there was no need anymore for American Horror Story. And, yeah. Mm. It's like I say, even coming off the back of House of Usher, which is, you know, clearly better than any single season of American Horror Story. It, it just makes you think that even more, which is I'm sure that is a very unfair comparison. And I obviously I'm still a fan of, of most seasons of American Horror Story, but that's just where I'm at. I, I'm trying to figure out in my mind why I don't watch it anymore, because I never like hated it. I just stopped watching it for whatever reason. And I think that's one of the many reasons why I did. Also, it just was around for you know I liked that show for 10 years. You know, that's probably... I, think, I, think that's I don't think I've ever liked a show for that many seasons, actually. <laughs> no, and I think that's the thing, is that it just... It's kind of fizzled out. And I mm. think that, you know, for me, as someone that's... That I've, I've watched some of the new season, mm. and I'm like... It feels like they only have ideas for short stories now, and every now and then they try to turn them into a season. Mm. Um the last season very much felt like that. And this one does as well, where it's like, oh, okay, they set it up in the first episode. I watched episode two and three and I'm like, it hasn't really progressed. And I think it's just going to meander like this until, you know, maybe the penultimate episode. And then mm-hmm. we're going to get a little bit of um, story. And then, and then it kind of ends and it's like, oh, okay, then did I enjoy the message? And it's going to be overarched with message and, and just, underwhelming with the content um you know and and that's what it's been like now for for a couple of seasons and it's just not what i want i hate Um, that with tv as well like that's one of my biggest that's why i that's why i stay away from tv because it's like oh really all you need to do is watch the first episode and the last two and you're golden yeah it was season it was so frustrating. Like, I remember those early Marvel shows that I watched aside from WandaVision, which was completely mm. different. Where, like, I remember particularly Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki both felt that way. Of Like, I really liked the first and last episode. So it, it yeah. made me think, coming out of the end of it, yeah, that it I really confusing. liked the whole thing. But I clearly didn't, because the middle of both those shows was terrible and nothing happened. <laughs> mm. And then, obviously, at a certain point, I just gave up altogether. But yeah, it's, uh, it is interesting. Like I say, that is, that is a lot of TV. And then then you get that gold standard of TV where it's like, no, they put that same singular effort into every episode of The Last of Us, every episode of House of Usher. Mm. Like, it's it's exceptional. I think American Horror Story used to just, 
deliver a level mm. and would be fun and it would be telling a fun story. And, you know, even stuff like, um, what was it? Apocalypse or whatever. That yeah, had no, really I love that. Great yeah. story. But it's still, the journey was fun. Mm. Whereas these ones just don't really have a journey. You know, we have, we had the season that was split into two stories because yeah, they couldn't was, fill a season. I think that was the last one I saw. Yeah. Then we had the last season that mm. you didn't see that was not good at all. That was very, you know, like I say, that could have been a short. And yeah. then this one feels like it could be from what I've seen so far. Yeah, um, it's a crazy schedule as well. Like, to f- the fact that they rode that for as long as they did it, and especially, obviously, Ryan Murphy, who I don't think is... I don't even know how involved he is with the show anymore. But, like, mm. he obviously was so hands-on with the early seasons because that was all he was doing. And then off the back of that, he then got bigger and bigger, did more spin-offs, more different shows, and suddenly it's like he's being pulled left, right, and center, you know, doing different things. And I think that is another mark of something like flanagan where he's clearly doing so much you know we mentioned he's clearly spinning so many different plates but when he has that singular focus you know clearly there was a point in time that yes he's got amazon on the horizon yes he's got a stephen king movie on the horizon but at a certain point every single ounce of his energy and his creativity was in making house and usher the best thing it could possibly be yeah and if he's not doing that i don't know how he's able to pull the shit off <laughs> like i still don't anyway but if he's not if he is only putting in a bit of effort that's that's crazy i can't even fathom that that's just that's a genius that i'm i'm not willing to accept that uh someone like no, that, they, that, that genius doesn't exist but i think like the fact that he has this this huge deal with another company you know his foot is already in that camp financially mm. so for him to creatively still give netflix his very best even yeah. though he owes nothing yeah like you know he's given a midnight mass and you know he really could have phoned it in and and you know who who would have blamed him really yeah. for that you know he's already got the the money deal like you know imagine if he doesn't deliver with his future projects it now like you know i don't think that's going to happen but you know to put this level into to you know into the ex-wife and you, you know the new wife is just sitting there ready to go is 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 bold isn't it i was fearful as well because of the fact that obviously midnight club being the last thing that he did and it, it, you know, it not being super well received, and then off the back of I can't that, it's so funny. Yeah, like I, I, it's so weird. Like, well, I'll get to that point in a sec. But I was just gonna say the fact that that obviously got quote, quote unquote cancelled. Like he wanted to do more. He had a story planned out, and he didn't get to do that. So, I, and I felt like he was a bit salty about that when he kind of posted that document online, being like, "Here's what happened," basically. You know, like I feel like that was with a bit of scorn and kind of yeah. like, "Here's what I wanted to do. These guys didn't let me do it." And so, you know, because I was already you know one foot out the door, sort of thing. So I did half expect him to to not put it in his all but clearly that was just unfounded um yeah yeah part of me does want to do it because it is just like the completionist of like it is weird to me that there's this one name you know this one show with the flanagan name on it that i haven't seen but i don't know man i just i'm happy living my life not watching it like nothing about it at the time made me feel like i should watch it nothing that you said about it made me feel like i should watch it. and if you had a completely different opinion and said like yeah you need to watch this like you have other things but i just i don't think i'll ever watch it at this point no, no um, there, there are other certain tv shows that you should be watching other than that yeah if i if i had unlimited time they would already be watched but uh that is not the case um but we'll get to them in the future i'm like I say 
there's probably going to be uh, an 18 month to two year period in the near future where there won't be much television to watch so um <laughs> i'll be catching up while i'm sitting there you know crying crying away waiting for the last of us severance lord of the rings i'm not getting any of these shows anytime soon so uh, i'll have plenty of time to fill at some point um but yeah that was episode 368 uh, thanks for listening as always and we'll see you again very soon see you later everyone Shut up, I can't Mainly because I never could And how could I stop